Hey guys, welcome back. It's another episode of the 13th Man Podcast Exchange alongside with Frankie. As always, we will be your hosts. And on today's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. We are going to start a Tuesday episode special of going through the team's depth, uh, depth charts, uh, breaking down uh, basically positions, offense, defense, that kind of stuff. I'll be covering the defense through this series, Frankie will be covering the offensive side of the ball. And yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit different than what we've been what we've been doing up until this point. And I'm excited to get going. So obviously we are going, we're starting off west to east, but also alphabetical because, you know, the first three teams are uh, BC, Calgary, and Edmonton. And, uh, you know, that's how the alphabet goes. So we are starting off with the BC Lions depth chart and a lot of turnover from relatively uh, a decent amount of turnover from the 2019 season up until this point, especially up in coaches, a whole new coaching staff. Claypool got axed. They brought in Rick Campbell who left Ottawa and you know, that, that team out there have actually started with a, a revamp and we're going to kick it off with the the offensive side of the ball because that's the side that everyone cares about so frankie let's get it started what's the offset offset offensive side of the ball looking like for the bc lions heading into a 2020 season if there is one um i i guess we'll start it off with quarterbacks and feel free to chime in on anything that you might disagree with um but the QB depth chart looks like Mike Riley, Will Arndt, and then it's just a crapshoot of Kramer, uh, Ricky Lloyd, Vinny Testaverde Jr., um, Carter Samuels, and Nathan Rourke. And, you know, that that's very, very concerning to me because we saw what Will Arndt was able to do last year. And um, if you weren't able to see what he did last year, well, spoiler alert, the answer is not very much. So... You know, for a team that last season had so many problems with keeping Mike Riley upright, and we'll address that a little bit later, if that doesn't get any better, you're not going to win many games with Will Arndt. So that kind of that, – that's the first thing that concerns me. I don't know if you would disagree with that. I mean, I think it's a little bit unfair to, to say Will Arndt isn't a CFL quarterback. Uh, he's, what, 20, 26? Um, but – he also had like the team in Ottawa wasn't good around him. Right. Um, I, I think it's early, a little bit early to, to hate on him too much. I mean, obviously Campbell liked something he saw in him, which is why he brought him over to BC with him. Uh, I remember when he wasn't cut at Red Blocks camp, I was very surprised, but I mean, their quarterback situation is definitely going to be interesting. Uh, they have two quarterbacks, um, three quarterbacks that were on the roster last year, I believe, out of Riley, Kramer, and Lloyd. And they have basically four quarterbacks, I think three just out of university-level ball. So it's going to, be, going to be interesting whenever training camp were to happen. This was going to be a very interesting camp for BC in the quarterback position. Because you knew Riley – you know, everyone knows Riley is going to be the starter. So you're not even competing for a number one job. You're competing for a number two job. So – it would be interesting to see. 
And this year they're going to that two quarterback situation where you don't need to have three on the roster. So, you know, in all likelihood, most of these guys, if not, well, all but one, will probably end up on the practice roster. And I think, honestly, it's going to be super, super interesting to see if uh, maybe the Lions just go with three quarterbacks anyway to keep Nathan Rourke on the roster as a, as a fan favorite option. Well, my understanding is you don't need to keep three quarterbacks on the active roster. So they they can be on on the roster. They just can't be part of the active roster. Right. Yeah. That you don't address yeah, like three quarterbacks for game day anymore. Three. You can, but you don't have to. And I think so. You you'll see teams carry three quarterbacks. You may only see two of them dressed. I think it's stupid. Why wouldn't you have a third quarterback dressed? Like that's a completely different discussion. I think having three quarterbacks dressed is better because if especially if they can't keep Riley. Healthy, how, who knows what happens to that backup. If he gets hit off, like, who, what are you going to do? Put in your receiver? Well, especially because it's a quarterback who has no proven, you know, body of work in the CFL at all. We're talking about a guy who started, what, two games last year and has a, a one-to-two touchdown interception ratio. Like, you're not, you're not looking at a guy who you know for a fact is going to win you a bunch of football games. And if he goes out there and he puts together five or six incomplete passes in a row, a couple of two and outs right away, you know, you want to have that other option to go to. And I think that's my main concern with them and their quarterback depth is after Mike Riley, they don't have anything that's going to be able to win them games. Unlike, you know, last year where we saw uh, Calgary with Arbuckle and um, Toronto with, well, I guess McLeod Bethel-Thompson at one point was their backup. And Hamilton had Dane Evans. Like, that, to be fair, like, you also have a situation like Cody Fajardo where he – was a career backup. Yep. You know, he was the third stringer in Toronto, third string in BC, and then somehow, some way, stole the starting job in Saskatchewan. Yep, for He's sure. So, like, it's the CFL and anything can happen. And, like, you look at Mike Riley. Mike Riley, when he, he first came in, there was there was a little bit of hype, but he wasn't anything, like, promising. No, and, and I what, agree with that. Um, so, like, the, the, the CFL is, uh, has always been – a league of chance, a league of opportunity. And if one of these quarterbacks can take that opportunity, they could be sitting in a situation just like Arbuckle is. Because Arbuckle, you know, was also another, you know, cut uh, a couple of years ago and, and whatnot. He was brought back because their quarter, like their backup left for school. So I, I think it's one of those situations where, like, maybe I'm a little bit more optimistic than you, but I definitely see it being their biggest weakness on this roster. I don't know if it's their biggest weakness per se, but you know, I, I don't hate Will Arndt. You know, I think he, he made the the red blacks roster for a reason last year. And that's because he put out an absolute show in preseason and completely outplayed Danny Collins, who everybody for all intents and purposes thought was guaranteed to make the roster uh, over Arndt because, you know, he had been the third string quarterback for a couple of years at that point, but, do I think he's a guy that's going to go in if Mike Riley gets hurt and, and win you some football games against very talented teams in the West? Uh, the answer is no. No, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But, you know, we've talked quite a bit about the quarterback situation, and that's one of the things where it's going to be a, a move him, move along if the situation happens, which I think BC fans don't want to happen. But outside, so moving forward, um, how about the guys who are going to be protecting whoever's throwing that ball and creating running lanes? 
Well, I don't that's a question mark from last year's team. Yeah, I mean, I, how much better did they really get? I mean, you know, they lost Justin Renfro. Um, they have Riker Matthews on right tackle, uh, Figueroa left tackle. Uh, you know, th- those are the two spots for me that I look at. And if you if you don't have anybody there that's going to protect you, then it might be a little bit of trouble. But I think that's probably still a, a position of concern for me, that whole offensive line. I mean, there's some solid players in there, but I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep Riley upright. As someone who, who plays offensive line, you can make the most mediocre lineman look great if you put him in a situation that fits his ability. Uh, and the one thing I think Claypool and Co. did, this is the problem with having a de- defensive-minded coach who has a, who tries running an offense. It just doesn't work. Um, but they didn't run – if you look at most running games in the CFL, it's very much power – power or zone running, which if for the people who don't know what that means, it's basically you're, you're blocking a zone, you're not blocking a man, and you just block whoever is in that zone, and you open up lanes. So traditional uh, ho- uh, football is um, running back, running through between the center and the guard. Well, when it comes to zone blocking, it's you're running – to the center and guard, but you're not running between them. The center and guard are going to open up a hole, and you're going to pick a hole. You're you're not going specifically to a hole because when you go specifically to a hole, if that hole's clogged, it jams up the entire play. BC didn't do a lot of the the zone runs and like the the zone blocking, which hurt them. And you know it's one of the reasons why Winnipeg was so dominant with. Andrew Harris, because that's all they did. And when you have a zone blocking scheme that works as well as it does, you are just going to be able to run over people. And you're also going to be able to create movement for your quarterback, which I think they need for Riley to keep him upright. And I feel, you know, Ottawa did it relatively – it was common for Ottawa to to run those kind of blocking schemes, which is why we've always had a relatively good run game and a relatively good – passing uh, line who can hold up a pass rush relatively often. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Rick Campbell brings the same kind of a tan- like the same kind of system over to BC and that's going to help him a lot making sure that Riley stays upright. Um, so I'm excited to see what this line can do with Campbell helping lead like with that offense working together because it's definitely going to be better than last year. Yeah, I, I don't think they can be worse than they were last year. And that's, that's a key to look at. I don't know if they've gotten significantly better, but, you know, I don't think that Mike Riley's going to get hit 120 times in a year again, um, if that's what the number was. I'm not really positive on that one. But um, on your point about Rick Campbell, like I, I think Rick Campbell's a pretty solid coach. I, I, like I think he gets bagged on a ton for, you know, things that ne- aren't necessarily his fault. Um, but uh, again, that could be biased. So I guess we're going to really see this year what Rick Campbell's all about outside of Ottawa for the first time. Oh, hundred percent coaching. Um, I've probably been Rick Campbell's biggest hater. I'm not even going to lie. I'm not a huge fan of him as a coach. Uh, I think he's a good coach. I just think people 
Ottawa fans put him on a high pedestal because they're like, oh, he's gone to three great cups. And it's like, cool. You've gone to, gone to three great cups. You've won one that you can make an argument, you know, we got lucky on winning. But when the best record in the up until the 2019 season, when the best record, when, when you make when you host the East semis or the if you host the East finals with a below 500 record, there's a problem. Yes, I think his coaching ability, like you, you look at last year, Montreal and Hamilton were both competitive, and Ottawa was crap. Um, when when we hosted one East semis and we got our our butts kicked to us. By, by Saskatchewan. So it's just like, he, he needs to prove that he can be, a, he's actually a good coach. Yeah, and um, you know, I want to quickly touch on that too because I, I think p- most of that problem comes down with the, the cards that he was dealt. And for as good as a quarterback as Trevor Harris is in, this, in the league, uh, I think he you know, has far too many games where he just doesn't necessarily show up. And it seems to be almost you know, every second game. And, and you can just tell if his first couple of passes are incomplete in the game, he's not going to be very sharp. And I, I think after Henry Burris left, it really changed the way the Red Blacks functioned. And, you know, Trevor Harris's first two seasons as a starter were eight, nine, and one. So. Yeah. I mean, well, when we get to Ottawa, we're going to dive a little bit more into that. Edmonton, uh, Edmonton. Uh, both because there's a bunch of stuff. With with Campbell Harris and Desjardins and Verse, that we can dive right into when it comes to the Red Blacks. But anyways, we're gonna stay on the BC Lions side. Uh, who are these running, running, backs? Backs? running backs? Running backs. Who are they gonna be running? Who's gonna be running? You know what, Shane? I'm actually kind of excited about the running back combo. I, you know, honestly, you could probably call it a trio as well. Uh, yeah, I think it's more of a trio than a yeah, or like, a quad than a than a. Uh, a duo. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I mean, John White, Brandon Rutley, Chris Rainey, and uh, Brandon Radcliffe are the names that stick out to me right away. But there's another name a little bit down the list in Caden Johnson that I also look at a little bit and, and wonder what that's going to be for them. Oh, uh, man, I'm super excited for this run game. If John White can can stay healthy, there's your every down back. You put in Chris Rainey or Brandon Rutley as a switchback, kind of uh, your, your receiving back, and then you put in your Caden Johnson – uh, fresh out of York University, uh, you also have Jam- uh, Jamel Lyles, Wayne yep. Moore. You got Brandon. Like, there's so many. This running back core, this running back group has so many options. Uh, obviously, Rainey's going to most likely see a bunch of time as their punt returner. Yeah. So you might have Ra- uh, Radcliffe slot in as that third actual back. But man, this is this is going to be exciting to see if they can utilize this run, like running back ability. This team is going to be excited because if that everything like their their running backs and their receivers, some of the best in the league. And if they can get them working together, especially that run game, they're going to be throwing the ball like Riley's going to throw the ball all over the field, and no one's going to be able to stop him. Yeah, you know, honestly, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I, I think the BC Lions might be a little bit more of a, a, a run-first team, honestly. I don't know. I mean, if it's, it's going to be a run-first team. 
yeah, I mean, I I know you said some of the receivers are among the best in the league, and I don't disagree with that. There's one in particular that might be one of the best, if not the best receiver in the league, uh, if he has a good year. Um, but, man, as far as the running backs go, they have so much young Canadian depth, with the oldest one being Wayne Moore at 28. Um, they have Andrew uh, Posernik at 22, Jamal Lyles at 23, Caden Johnson's 24, and Ryan Fulce at 23. All young Canadian running backs who have a chance to maybe crack this roster, maybe be a game breaker for them. And I, I think the BC Lions running back position is going to be one to watch for me uh, because, you know, you've already got John, Wright, John White and Brandon Rutley up there who you know can be workhorse backs for you. You've got a good one-two punch already. And then maybe you top that off with a Brandon Radcliffe or a Caden Johnson or one of those other players who happens to make the roster. And you've got a guy who, you know, you could put in maybe rushes for, you know, 200, 300 yards in a season. And is that third guy that you can rely on if somebody gets injured? Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to get into this receiving core because if that, if that running back core can produce an average of 75 yards a game, you're, going to have issues stopping this offense yeah because of who they have as their receivers yeah and sorry by the way when i said 200 to 300 yards that was accounting for a full season so it won't be anywhere close to that much but whatever um do we want to move on to receivers this quickly i mean the the two or the one the one big free agent signing that they had this year was dominique rhymes and, you know, I know that Red Blacks fans have their opinions about Dominique Rimes, but, you know, I think he's a, a solid option for them at that number three spot with, sorry, um, where is it? Where is it? Shaq Johnson's one of their top options. Uh, they have Lamar Durant as one of their top options. And then, of course, Brian Burnham put up almost 1,500 yards last year. So I think their receiving core is solid. I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily among the best in well nah, you know it's it, probably up towards the top it can be. Uh, but I don't think it's going to end up being the best in the league uh, because I do think they're going to run the football a lot this year they're going to try but unfortunately you know it's a pat you only have two tries to get a first down yep and if you know who you can't you can't double team Burnham because you're going to leave Durant or Johnson open you can't like you can't double team anyone on this receiving core especially if that running game is consistently getting two and a, two to five yards a, a carry then you know you're you're going to open up that defense they're going to be able to be exposed because it's either they they allow you to run all over them which by the fourth quarter is not something you want or you do go air raid and they're gonna they're gonna pile in to stop the run, and you're just gonna pick apart that defense because they're gonna be playing man. And last thing you want is have Durant pulling a double move or or Burnham just beating you down the sideline, Shaq Johnson going through a post in the middle of the field on a safety. Like there are so many capabilities for this offense if their run game can get going. Yeah. That with Mike Riley as a quarterback. I would expect Mike Riley to lead the league in uh, in touchdowns, passing yards, and completions and attempts at the end of the season. You think so? Hundred percent. Really? Because as much as you want to run the ball, when you have Mike Riley as your quarterback, 
why not throw it? When you have, like, it'd be like running the ball when when Burris, when Burris had Sinopoli, Ellingson, or if Burris had Sinopoli, Ellingson, Spencer, and Chris Williams together. Yeah, I mean... You know, would you run the ball majority of the time when you have that kind of receiving core with that quarterback? It's the same situation in BC. Is you have such a dominant receiving core, if you have a good running game or an above-average running game, you're good. You'll force the defense to pick or choose, and then you'll be able to hurt them because of it. Yeah, I could I could see maybe a lot of screen passes just to get those backs involved in the game. Um, if they, you know, for whatever reason, can't get going on the run. But, man, the, the receiving core looking like Dominique Rimes, Lamar Durant, Shaq Johnson, Brian Burnham, and then, uh, oh, what's his first name here? Um, Javon Cody, or Cody, or however you pronounce his name. Um, you know, that's that's a pretty solid look. And then, uh, I guess Caleb Hawley's your next best guy after that. Again, I, I'd question the depth, but you know, for the most part, I think that you're pretty happy with those five guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm super excited for to see that what this – like, I'd be very disappointed if, you know, if he's not top two in any offensive category. If there's no – if there's no – if they have – if none of Burnham, Durant, if the three of Johnson, Burnham, and Durant don't have 1,000 yards each, I'm looking well, at Campbell being what that's the hell you do. That's a stretch only because we're not going to be playing 10 games. True. I'm saying that if this was like a normal season. Right. Okay. If this Fair was a enough. normal like 18-game season, I would be very disappointed to look at like Durant, Burnham, and Johnson without 1,000 yards each. Fair enough. Um, I guess that's, for the most part, the end of the offense. I guess we'll kind of do special teams here real quick before we go into the defense. Um. I mean, special teams are special teams. It's kind of hard since you only have your punter, kicker, and long snapper. Well, and, and kick returner, which for them is Chris Rainey, and I think that's that's pretty solid. I don't think we need to spend too much time in there. We all know what Chris Rainey is. Yeah, and Castillo is going to be one of the more dominant kickers in the league. Oh, you yeah. think so? Yeah. Okay. I can see it. I, I You know, I don't I don't think he'll lose you a game, but I don't think he's the best kicker in the league by any stretch. But – you know, no, everybody can have the best kicker in the league, and I, I think he's solid enough. Yeah, and their their punter is a new guy, uh, Stefan Flintoff. So it's gonna be interesting to see what he does. He's an American, so it's gonna be interesting. But you know, it's a I punter. <laughs> <laughs> it, I if he can kick the ball consistently, he's gonna do well. <laughs> And then Tanner Dole uh, as their long snapper. I feel like he's been their long snapper for like 50 years, even though he hasn't been. Well, he was with Ottawa not too long ago, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. He, long it was snapper. his first year in BC. Yeah. I mean. No. Aaron Crawford will be upset that we said he's a long snapper, but I mean, it is what it is. What? He is a long snapper. Yeah, no, Aaron Crawford will be upset that we're just like, oh, he's just a long snapper, but... <laughs> I mean, he isn't just a long snapper, but, like, he's just a long snapper. Yeah, it's not the most... Get... It's obviously not the most important position, but if you have a crappy I mean, long snapper, it, your punter's going to hate you. Teams. Yeah. A bad snap can ruin your entire 
but it's just it's so hard to judge this because you don't know who else is on that special teams right because right. there's so much more to special teams than just a long snapper kicker and punter yeah for sure so it's gonna be interesting to see who who's on that special teams unit when the time so, arrives overall before we move on to defense what do you what do you think if you had to give it a letter grade to the bc Lions I'm offense giving, what are you giving it overall i'm giving them a b a solid b purely because their offensive line and their quarterback depth is not tested. Um, obviously, their running back and their receivers, you know, are, are some of the most consistent, some of the most known in the league. But I think that, that depth, that O-line and quarterback really hurt that great. So I'm giving him a solid B. Yeah, that's, that's what I got to say too, because if I look at their offensive line and quarterback position and – I mean, Mike Riley is good enough to get an A-plus by itself, but I think the unit as a whole and looking at the depth specifically is probably a C. And then, you know, the receivers and the running backs are an A, so I, I, I'll even it out, hit it in the middle, and go with a B. Yeah, it's, I give them a solid B. So, we're on to the defensive side of the ball. Um, man, this one was difficult for me. <laughs> um, a lot of no names per se on this defensive side of the ball. And I don't mean that in any disrespect to the players for BC, but, you know, they're not the most known defensive players. They're not the most, especially their secondary. Um, yeah. It's not the most known. It's not the most recognizable. There's so many question marks on where people are going to slot in and how they're going to work. Um, they have a lot of DBs on their roster. Like a ridiculous amount. They have like O'Shane Samuel, Gary Peters, Keon Lyon, TJ Lee, Akeem Johnson, Aaron Grimes is probably the biggest name of that group. Like Gary Peters and Aaron Grimes are going to be leading that defensive backfield. You'll probably have TJ Lee in there. But it's a lot of just, you know, we, they're young though. The most, yeah. the, like, they are young. The two most. Uh, the two oldest, you know, they have four guys that are above, or technically like five or six guys that are above 25. You know, Akeem Johnson at 26, Derek Jones 28, TJ Lee 29, Gary Peters 28, Aaron Grimes 29. Like that, that's a very young defensive backfield. So they're going to be exposed, especially if they can't get pressure onto the onto the quarterback. So that's that's probably the biggest question mark on defense is how that it, very inexperienced, very young defensive core. That That's uh, something that Rick Campbell isn't necessarily, you know, unaccustomed to. Like I wouldn't say that the, the secondaries in Ottawa were over overly experienced and filled with veterans. You know, there's, there's guys like Jonathan Rose who played his first year in the CFL on one of those teams. Uh, Justin or Antoine Pruno was back there. Uh, we've, we've got, Sherrod Baltimore back there. Um, uh, Corey Tindall's back there. Like, there has been so many young players, like first-year CFL players, to play with Rick Campbell that have found success in the CFL. So I won't say that I'm overly concerned about that with the BC Lions for now. How much of that I mean, success I, was riding on Rick Campbell, I don't know. But I think it's a good confidence booster for Lions fans right now. I mean, I am based on the fact that it's a division where you have – very, you have one whole like bonafide, two bonafide 
Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Luckily, one of them's on your team. Yep. And Mike Riley, you have Bo Levi, Trevor Harris, uh, Cody Fajardo, and Zach Caleros. And the Not same, really worried about him, but. Same division. Um, and all of them have really good receiving cores. Uh, yeah. And all of them have, outside of Edmonton, they all have the same kind of team coming back. So, obviously, when we go into later in the series, we'll definitely be talking about it. But, you know, this is a, a core, like a defensive back core that is going against some of the best quarterbacks in the league, some of the best coaches in the league. I, I think that as a, as a BC Lions fan, if I had to pick a weakness on this team, defensive backs would be the one where I'm like, um, outside of the quarterback depth, which you can't really tell until there's games. Yeah. But, like, uh, the defensive backs, I, I would feel very – concerned about if they can't get gain pre- like put pressure on a quarterback how many how many turnovers how many incomplete passes can they create without getting pressure on the quarterback because you can't be sent you can't be blitzing every every time it just it's not going to happen yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised to play a lot of zone either um and so it's going to be very interesting to see how they utilize this young core yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, like I said, uh, Rick Campbell has a pretty good track record for, you know, turning um, young DBs into something in the CFL. And uh, uh, what's I can't remember his first name now, but uh, there's another defensive back that plays for Winnipeg now, uh, Rose. Why can't I remember his first name? Winston? Winston Rose. So, yeah, he's another one of those guys that was in Ottawa for a little bit. Sorry? He's now in the NFL. Yeah. So. I mean, I have all the confidence in the world that Rick Campbell is going to be able to turn young DBs into something in the CFL. It just seems to be something that teams that he has uh, coached have done fairly well. Oh, 100%. I think Campbell, if if, they, if there's a situation that these DBs are falling into, I think going with Campbell is probably the best thing for him. Yeah. But, you know, talking about a lot of pressure, uh, moving on to that, that front seven, I'm going to start with the uh, the linebacking core, which – you know, looks looks very different compared to what it was a couple of years ago. I don't hate it, uh, though. I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. <laughs> like, I think the problem is, though, is that, like, if you're a fan base like this, you remember, you know, the, the, the 100 duo between Solomon and Big Hill. You know, that, that was their thing. Like, that was the face of their defense. So, and now you're seeing guys like Konar. Uh, you know, they brought in Kevin Francis from the Red Blacks. Uh, they drafted Jordan Williams, who will probably start like, as an outside linebacker. Um, whenever the season comes on, they brought in Kenny Lad- Ladler. I like it. But, again, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, very unknown names on that de- like in the defensive side of the ball that for me isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it makes it interesting watching, see what players will step up and make a name for themselves through the next year or two because they're going to have to if they want to stick around. The one player that I'm going to point out, though, 
22-year-old Damian uh, Jamison, uh, linebacker. He's a national. Uh, I think he's out of the University of Calgary. I might be completely mistaken. He's out of York. I don't know why I thought Calgary. He's out of York. He was an eighth-round pick. Um, just because like, he's 211 at 6'2", he's a guy that I think will surprise that camp, being only 22 years old. Uh, and then the other, like, you have Kevin Francis, Kevin Haynes, obviously Adam Konar, Kenny Ladler, you know. Everyone on this, like, in, the, in their linebacking core, Kenny Ladler's probably the biggest name in this, like, known in the CFL. Yeah, I mean, um, Herman Reed's no name to, like, shake a stick at either, but um, where, does, where does Jordan Williams fit into this, the guy that drafted first overall for you? I mean, he's, like, the problem is he's six feet but 232. So, dude's a tank. Like, he's just built. But he's also super quick. And I don't know how I feel having a six-foot guy in the middle of the trenches when you have a guy like Kevin Francis who's 6'5", 220. I, I'm not sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's jumping between, uh, you know, linebacker or, you know, defensive end. It really depends on the situation they're playing too because they could feel like a 3-4 is better suited for their – for them, which you don't see very often in the CFL, but you know, if that's the case, then Jordan Williams will probably be playing either the Oscar or the Will linebacker. And he he's gonna get his reps, but I don't think he's a day one starter. Yeah. Well that's I mean he's been out of football for what, two years at this point too, I believe. So he's going on two. He took he took last year off. He came to camp in Ottawa was told that, hey, you know, basically because your mom's a Canadian, you can enter the draft. So he's like, I hey, cool. I, he entered the draft, and obviously Campbell was like, I like you. I'm going to draft you first overall. Yeah, so, for Ottawa, eh? Could have had the guy that went first overall for free. Didn't take him. Well, no, Campbell did the right thing and told, like, did what was best for him. So, hey, Selfishly saying. Selfishly. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Their line, their their linebackers inter- like are interesting. Um, uh, I mean, and I think they're going to go. They're gonna by looking at their their roster makeup. They have five defensive ends on their roster, which means they're going three four. Yeah, you don't have five defensive ends and a crap ton of D line, unless some of them can play outside, like play end on a consistent basis. Or you're going three four. Well, I mean, uh, looking at different depth charts because I'm seeing nine defensive ends. Well, if you if you're looking at the 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 CFL one yep. that they posted, uh, they also have some linebackers who are listed as DBs on the CFL website. Okay, so that's what that is. Then. So like, I'm on the CFL. I, I'm on the CFL website. Um, you know, the, the three big names that pop off on me for, for – or four names, actually, that pop off the page when I look at this depth chart is Brian, Ryan Brown from coming from Mississippi State. He played for Montreal, 6'6", 270. Guy's a beast. Uh, we have J.R. Tavai uh, out of USC, 
26, played for Ottawa. I'm he was tank like last year too. He was a tank. He can mo- he can play end. I don't know why he's the D line. He's better outside than inside. At six two, no offense, but guys at six two don't play inside. It's just not something they do. I mean, he uh, was, and then he, you can't you can't argue with production out of it though because he he worked in that spot last year at times. He did. Uh, obviously, you know Mika Johnson would would argue a lot with me about that uh, as he's more of a but he's more of a three tack. Uh, but he's slotting in at 6'2", 278, uh, coming over from Saskatchewan. And then you have Jonathan Newsom, uh, probably the other big – like probably the only other big name on that defensive line and probably like some of the biggest names on that defense um, where, you know, he – like this team, if their front seven can gain pressure, more importantly, if the front four – can gain consistent pressure, the defense is going to be a struggle. Because not only are guys like Tavai uh, and Newsom most likely going to play end, is that if you have Mika Johnson and Ryan Brown in the middle, you know, both those guys need double team. I, who, you're going to have to allow one of those guys to go one-on-one. And then Jonathan Newsom can beat any defensive tackle in the league. Same thing with Tavai. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team works because if this team, if this defensive line can get pressure consistently and not sacks, just straight out pressure and stuff the run, which they can do with these guys, their, their defensive backs are in a lot better situation. Um, For sure. Um, Overall, I'm not sold on their linebackers or their defensive backs. Their D-line is the strength of that defense. And if you can stop that D-line, you're going to win against them. You're going to beat PC. I think the further they go back towards their end zone, I think it's the worst they get. Like, I think their their defensive line's pretty solid. Their linebacking core is okay, and their DBs are unproven. And I think that's that's really all you can say about their defense their defense right now. I mean – Once they get down to their goal line, they're going to be, they're going to be hard to beat because you have such a small – that the playbook from the ten yard, ten yard line and in is very small because you really only have like an extra thirty, like extra twenty yards to work with. So you don't actually have a lot. So if I'm if I'm BC, I'm very comfortable being in my own twenty with this defensive line. I would be more scared of being in my opposing team's twenty yard line. Oh, because anywhere, that anywhere cool. you can get, anywhere you can get the top taken off of your defense, I think is it's going to cause them some trouble. Oh, 100 percent. Which is why I feel like if you can stop this D line from gaining consistent pressure, running against this team is going to be the most important thing. If you're going against BC, if you can if you can get the run going, you're going to win this game. You're going to win. It's that simple. And to be honest with you, and people are going to call me biased for saying this, right? Because I think that the game breaker that BC Lions fans maybe aren't thinking about right now, I think it's going to be J.R. Tavai. I'm a huge fan of J.R. Tavai. Um, yeah, I got I to gotta go with Ryan Brown. Really? Yeah, because if you can stomp that middle, if you can force – if you have a guy – he's 6'6", 270. And – 
if you can, he's a defensive tackle, and if you're running a three-four, he's going to be lined up on the center. If if you're playing a, a four-three, he's going to be one tech. He's going to be on the weak side, uh, between the tackle and the guard. If you can force the team you're playing against to run on the outside, you're golden. If you can, if they can run it down your throat, down the middle, it's game over. Because yeah. if you have to stop the middle, of the, the middle run, you're leaving yourself exposed on the exterior and teams are going to use it because you're going to be exposed for quick passes and everything else. So any, if you can force, if you can keep the box as big as possible, you're going to win games. And Ryan Brown, you know, he did that with Montreal last year and he's going to do it. If he can do it with BC, you know, Tavai, Newsom, Johnson, they're going to have field days because those guys are going to be left alone one-on-one and those guys can be at most one-on-ones in this league. Now on the, Ryan the, depth, Brown is a field breaker. the the depth chart I'm looking at has Chris Casher and Jonathan Newsom at defensive end for the lions. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm pretty sure that JR5 probably going to end up playing defensive tackle this year, just based on what Rick Campbell has done with him in the past. But if you wanted to keep him at defensive end, would you replace Casher or Newsom with him? Well, it's it's hard to it's hard to say because Casher, like it really it also depends on what like Casher. This is the thing. Casher six four two fifty seven. You know he's a big defensive end, and if you're gonna play a three four, he's a little bit too big to be a consistent defensive end because and it's like I mean he's he's three pounds lighter. Not even. He's like 12 pounds lighter than Tavai. Um, his height is an advantage. But I don't know. I feel like Tavai is one of those guys that you can use as a utility. And if you're going to, you know, you could also, because you, your linebackers aren't that proven either when it comes to. So that's the thing is that this defense has so many, you could put players in so many different situations because Kasher could be one of those guys that slots in as an outside linebacker or an inside linebacker because of his size. Like most DNs can slot in as an as a linebacker, so if you're running a three four or a four three, you know Casher's going to be a guy that I look at who can who's going to be a hybrid, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do because I don't see Tavai being a a three technique in this offense or in this defense. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting for sure. But uh, what do you what do you got for your letter grade for their defense? Overall, uh, I got to give it a, like, a, I want to say a, a C plus, and it's like, I'm bordering on a B minus, but I think I got to go with a C plus because of the unknowns. There's too many question marks on the, the linebacker side of the ball and the, the linebacker side and the DB side. I think everything will, will determine on how good that front, like that line does. They have so many good pieces that it'll change the game completely and it'll make their jobs easier. But if that D-line gets stopped, I, I don't feel comfortable or confident enough in that linebacker core or that DB core to, to break a game the way that some other defensive cores across the CFL, like their backfields, can. So I got to give it a C-. minus. Are you, you C- minus or C+. Plus? Or a C+. Plus. Okay. Like, are you reading my mind? Because 
the last two, I was thinking B before you even said B on offense. And I was thinking C plus before you ever said it here. So, I mean, <laughs> for all the same reasons you gave it a, a C plus, that's why I'm giving it a C plus. No, like, I, I, like I like this team. I think this team, this team could win a good amount of games in a full 18-game season. But there's too many unknowns on that, on, in the, the secondary that I have to give it a – I got to give it a C, a C minus. This yeah. team as a whole, I got to give it a B minus. I'm going to split it down the middle between a B and a, and a C plus. Um, I don't know why I keep seeing – I think it's because I keep thinking B minus. But it's a C plus on the defense, B on the offense. I got to give this team a B minus straight down. Just it's a B minus bordering on a B. But yeah, I got, I got a B minus on this team. Well, considering they were an F minus team last year, you know, I, I don't think that's too, too bad. There's definitely been improvement no. from last year. Now that's undeniable. No, that's for sure. But yeah, I got to, I got to go with that, that, uh, that, that B minus for now. And then hopefully, Hopefully at the end of the season, hey, that could, you know, if there is a season in 2020, that grade could be either bumped up or bumped down depending on how things go. So since we don't know how many games are going to be played this year, um, and we're going to assume that we do play games, which at this point, who knows, um, what would you say the win percentage is? Is it above 500, below 500, 500? 500? 100% below 500. Okay. I don't see this team competing with Calgary, uh, Saskatchewan, or Winnipeg, and I don't think they'll be able to beat Edmonton. And if you're, if, let's say, you know, you, you have, if they, let's say, do an eight-game season, you're playing those teams twice, I, I just don't see it happening. And, you know, it's not any fault to BC, and, like, I'm not trying to be a downer or anything on BC. Uh, it's just the – the, the odds aren't in your favor. You have so much consistency across. You're the, you're the only team in the West who has seen su- uh, an overhaul, so to speak, across the board. New coaching staff outside of Edmonton, but most of Edmonton's team is still together. Yeah. You have new pieces, new co- – like, it's just – everything's going against BC right now. I, I honestly – I'd be very surprised if they win a game next year if it's really? an eight games where they're only playing – the the west wow that's a hot take i'm saying they're gonna finish 500 or below i i honestly i think they could probably steal four games just based on having mike Riley as your quarterback i mean mike Riley can steal you games but you know if you have a defensive back like if you have a if you have a defensive backfield that can't stop people from scoring it's hard to win many games like that. Yeah, that, I mean, it's fair, but I don't know. I, I think I think they can definitely beat Edmonton uh, just based on – Especially if they open up the season against Edmonton. Yeah. And – They can go one and seven. I wouldn't be surprised if they go one and seven. But I, I don't see them getting anywhere near 500. Okay. Well, that's the first time we're going to have to disagree. But, I mean, there's so many factors. I don't want to get too much into it. But, you know, there's stuff with Winnipeg that we got to talk about. Um, stuff with Calgary that we're going to talk about, stuff with Edmonton that uh, I've already talked about a little bit. So I, th- I, I could see the Lions going 500, uh, but I do think they'll finish somewhere below or at 500 for sure. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, I think we both we both agree that it's going to be below 500. It's just yeah. a matter of how biblical are they. Yeah, I, I don't think they're 0-8 horrible, but, you know, in a no, short season, anything can happen. They could go 8-0, too. Yeah, that would be a shocker. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That would be that would be one hell of a shocker. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. But uh, thank you guys for listening. I think that's, that's all for this episode of the BC Lions Breakdown. Uh, Friday we will have a completely different episode since this is going to be a Tuesday series. Hope you enjoyed it. If you're a BC Lions fan listening, I hope you're not too mad at us. But, I mean, if you are, that's your problem, not ours. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're trying to keep it reasonable you know we're not gonna pump up anybody's tires we're not gonna deflate anybody's tires because we don't like them deflate them yeah i mean i I, i'm trying to just keep it fair and balanced put our biases to the side as much as possible i know we talked about jr divide but i have no biases that's the one thing i will admit i i i will shit on any team that needs to be shit on i will hype up any team that needs to be hyped on I got torn apart by, you know, Red Black's Twitter last year because I was, like, even two years ago because I was calling Harris out because he was trash. And hey, I was I'm calling him. Like, too. like, it just it is what it is. When you're trash, you're trash. And if you're going to be trash, don't get mad when people call you trash. <laughs> let's, not I, call, let's not call everybody trash, though, so that way we can still have some players on at some point. <laughs> Maybe they shouldn't be trash. <laughs> don't right. play like trash they're called out for it. it's just it's that simple let's sign off before you insult the entire league <laughs> i'm not insulting the entire league i'm just saying i call a spade a spade but anyways guys thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed it we'll be back friday this time i know we released it a day late things came up uh we'll be back on friday with a new episode of the 13th man podcast uh you can find myself shane underscore ryan 97 you can find Frankie at 613Frankie. Remember to follow us on Twitter at 13thManPod. If you like the episode, uh, subscribe to it on your, your platform. Share it with your friends. Give us five stars. Comment on what you like or what you don't like. Maybe it's just me hating on everyone. I don't care. Let me know. Let Frankie know. You know, all that fun stuff. But thank you, guys. We will see you again Friday morning at 10 o'clock. Hope you all have a great week. See you.